This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installment um, as, I'm, I'm, as I'm obviously in the studio. Uh, let me also say thanks to Sasha Star for giving you guys um, well thought uh, through um, um, events and issues. Um, Mandy and Hilton. Uh, of course, I'm not Florence Hall, I'm always with Tabo. Uh, I'm getting used to this young man uh, next to me here. Um, uh, Vusi has been dethroned. Looks like Vusi is not going to come back. Tabo? How's it, Doc? Good on you, sir. Good on you, sir. Sorry, I caught you, I caught you of God there. <laughs> Silly of me. Silly of me. And if you have missed our show last uh, last week, you're welcome to go back to our podcast. Um, go to www.highfm.com and look under our website, I mean, under the, the, the podcast there, uh, to download your favorite podcast. And um, I'm welcome. I welcome your thoughts, your views around how, um, you know, the whole thing stands, uh, your, your criticism are always welcome. Besides, this is not my show, it's your show. Um, you know, tonight um, <clears throat> I also um, expect you, as always, to, to, to throw in your, your thoughts, your ideas. Our SMLI is 34519. Uh, and, of course, our, my email address is nimrod at highfm.co.za. The Twitter handle is at highfm. Um you know, as you know, this thing happens. I had prepared a completely different uh, uh, issues for tonight, but um, we were overtaken by events, and I felt it was befitting that we do a show um, around um, the struggle icon that I passed on um, yesterday. Uh, I'm not alone tonight. I've invited a relatively known figure um, at High FM. Uh, his name is uh, Mr. Justice Indaba. Um, the reason why I invited him in particular because uh, he has had personal uh, experience with uh, the late uh, Winnie Mandela himself. So we will be uh, de- reconstructing or deconstructing rather the lives of Winnie Mandela, um, you know, in terms of what we personally as ordinary people have uh, have had, what kind of experience we've had over the years. Um, Justice, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Doc, um, and thank you for the invite. Um, let's hope we're going to have a, a good show. Thank you very much indeed, um, uh, Justice Ndaba. Um, well, I mean, as I said earlier, Justice, we, um, you know, we were quite uh, certain to hear the passing on of, of uh, Winnie Mandela. Uh, she's definitely been one of the biggest I could ever known in the country. Mm. Um, and, and when when you think of Winnie Mandela, so many things comes to mind. Mm. I mean, she was a, a you know the greatest icon of the struggle against apartheid. That much we know for the fact. She fought um, you know violently against the very violent state, uh, and to a point where sacrificing her own personal life um, and, and activism, 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 um, and resistance against apartheid landed in jail numerous occasions. That much we know. But one thing that I've often pondered around every time I think of, of her, uh, particularly in relation to her late husband as well, may his soul rest in peace, is if it was not of Winnie, um, do you think Mandela's stature uh, would have been elevated and celebrated the way it has been celebrated globally? Thanks, uh, uh, Doc. You start with a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would have uh, most probably, you know, if we we had started maybe about painting the picture of who this person is and provide the context. But to just answer your question outright, my my 
My response would be most probably not, um, in the sense that if you, and I have a reason for that. The reason is that um, in my experience growing up in Soweto as well, <clears throat> there was a huge vacuum, in particular if you look at the period that we're talking about where I think her impact was mostly felt. And this was from um, in and around um, uh, 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 maybe 74 75 to 76 and in particular 77 she was when she was eventually taken to Brantford and then the early 80s and the late 80s because if you recall the whole period between uh, those two decades at least there was a huge vacuum of 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 of, of leadership in particular uh, i mean obviously we know that there was a um, eventually mass democratic movement via the UDF and so on. But prior to that and post the UDF, and indeed she participated in the MDM, she filled the vacuum. She was the ANC, if you recall. because So so, so in reality, and, and she was the face of the ANC, and she kept the fires burning in that regard. And you speak about Nelson Mandela, you had to... She kept the face of Nelson Mandela through herself. And, and and I think it is in that regard that I say most probably not, because if you look at the, I mean, a lot of leadership, the interaction with the exiled leadership was what? Maybe through Radio Freedom or through other communication, uh, maybe in the underground and so on. But on the ground, in, in the townships, uh, everywhere else, it was winning. I couldn't, this is something that I've been pondered, and I, I'm glad you and I, on the same same page of this because I'm of the view that um, she was such integral part of um, elevating who Mandela was because she mm. had you know she was the husband I mean she was the wife mm. um, to this fellow that we did not know mm. other than the name mm. um, in all the mass um, you know uh, movement or mass meetings we have, we have attended she was the face that could immediately reconcile with the man that was behind bars. Mm. And and now that now that pretty much I'm sure listeners out there could concur that um had it not been of the role she played, Mandela would not be celebrated the way um he was celebrated globally. But having said that, my view is that she also played such an, a significant role in terms of liberating women. Mm. We understand that apartheid was a system of oppression. Um, obviously, Africans were oppressed, uh, you know, indiscriminately. Mm. Um, but when she came to the fore, coming back to your point in terms of filling that leadership vacuum, which was left when when most of the leaders were banned and in uh, uh, prison and so, but her role coming through um, as a woman, you know, must have inspired so many women mm. uh, to follow in her footsteps uh, in, in, in her footsteps in terms of. Of, of really breaking the stereotypes or the gender barriers mm. because, um, you know, uh, in this country, we had to fight racial wars. You also have to fight gender wars. So from a gender point of view, what's your take? I, I'm of the view that uh, she plays such a significant role in, in in breaking the gender barriers, which most <laughs> women found them, which, by the way, they still find themselves in today. Mm. Look, I think for me, 
<coughs> excuse me. For me, if, if there's one thing she succeeded to do, is to <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> one thing that she succeeded succeeded to do would was to really come out of the shadow of such a big man, because this was not an easy shadow to be um. Those are huge shoes to fill, eh? Huge fellow. And, 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 and for yourself to establish yourself despite this particular shadow and be your own person, that in itself is, is big. But let's look at her, her role. And I mean, you, you, we all know that in 1956 there was the big, uh, 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 pass, uh, the, the, the march against pass laws by big women. Uh, leading, led by, uh, led by, uh, uh, Lillian Ngoi. And, 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 but the one that I'm talking about is the 1958 March, mm-hmm. where her role was quite prominent, if you remember. I think that is where, personally, I feel that her role came through because it is during that one where she was quite critical in terms of mobilizing women. And we, we know that in that time, through her role, Almost about a thousand of them were arrested, and she led the protest by refusing to take, uh, to accept bail. And they actually, in fact, stayed in jail for about two weeks until uh, uh, Mandela and Tambo decided to overrule them and arrange bail, which they had sent. And after that, I think um, if you look at history books, it's when really her shadow was, was began to, to be seen separate from her husband, if you recall. So from as far back as that time, 1958, she succeeded to, 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 to move herself up, up, to be known as an independent person, which is quite critical if you know the context of that time of women's emancipation in that time. It was quite difficult. And indeed, when they were uh, 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 given sentences in 1962, uh, in the prison trial, she said the the apartheid government would not succeed to to to, to erase the memory of Mandela. I'll make sure I keep it in uh, alive. alive. So that was a very prophetic statement. So, but for me, if the success is to for for us to be talking about her independent of her husband even now means that she successfully navigated, you know. This 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 big aura this around big aura around, around, husband. around husband. Yeah. Um, but earlier on, I think I agree with you. Earlier when you said um, she was able to establish herself as a force to reckon with. Mm. Um, but let's look at the 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 the, the vacuum she had left um, at the Women's League, for an example. Um, Women's League at some point used to be. A force to reckon with mm. within the structures of the ANC. Mm. Uh, now it is nowhere to be found. Particularly when you look at uh, her successor, Mudisi, uh, as well as uh, Lamini, uh, uh, you know, uh, Batabila Lamini as the current minister mm. or the former minister of social development, who is the president of the of the Women's League. Your take, because one would imagine that a very fertile ground was created by those kind of leadership. Mm. Uh, Sadly, we don't see those that kind of uh, follow through in terms of 
what she left behind and the extent to which the foundation that she has created <laughs> can be, you know. Uh, you. I don't understand that part. What, what could have gone wrong? Talking about this person who has managed to establish herself uh, through the ranks, becoming becoming independent thought leader, um, you know, leaving behind a particular legacy, at least from a leadership point of view. Mm. And when you look at subsequent years, we look we look we look back with 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 frown. Like, mm. How do you account for this? It's difficult to say, but maybe if we if we look at um, uh, herself in the leadership uh, role that you talk about, she, she I mean she was uh, the the women's league president for for about ten years, nineteen ninety three to around two thousand and three. I think so. That's a long time to start with. So she she had close to two terms, mm. uh, a couple of terms fold over. But also, um, despite the euphoria of '94, which is when she took over, obviously one could say it is that. But the the issue is that when it mattered the most, because the the women's league of just prior to her takeover was not as strong as the one she left. So she, meaning that she managed to galvanize all of these women, but I can see why she did that from my personal experience because remember the social work in her must have come through because she knew where to get these women and she was seen usually in their struggles because where, where would you find Winnie most of the time? If, 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 if you look at her, her history, you'd find that where there were evictions, of, uh, in the squatter camps where most women are and so on, you look for Winnie, she was there. You know, where there's big struggles of women, she was always there. So in essence, she was always to be found um, in, in those struggles of normal women. And, and as a result, it was easy for women to go wherever she was. And she probably would have moved many of them as, as new members of the new women's league of 93, in my opinion, which is why perhaps it explains why, if you look at the fact that maybe many of the monuments are not named after her, but how many squatter camps are named after her? Quite a a few, eh? Quite a few, out of her own accord, which means that despite the fact that she she could not have uh, gotten um, official recognition, but the downtrodden managed to name a lot of these places. I mean, there's so many squatter camps named after her. Either Winnie or Winnie Mandela or Winnie, you know, how many do you get? And and many of those, meaning that the normal people, poorest of the poor, recognize what she has done. Let's talk about your personal experience or your personal engagement interaction with her. Because before we went to an air, you indicated a number of instances where you personally have had that kind of relationship or have at least have some kind of uh, uh, engagement with her. What was it like? Look, uh, <laughs> it's quite difficult and it goes quite back. They, they, if you know the South Africa of 1984-85, very difficult period. This is the period where there was the so-called uh, make South Africa ungovernable time. So, um, and I think she was in the free state up to around 85 or so. So in 80, my personal experience was around 86 because 
during 86, there was a lot of uh, state of emergencies all over the show. And as a result, a lot of youth my age, I mean, I was uh, probably 19 or something like that, a lot of us could not go and sleep at home. So the only home that was known was Winnie's home, which is why all the time, which is why probably they started the, the Mandela, the now infamous Mandela mm. Football Club. But either you would go to, there was a, a Methodist church just up the road in Orlando or, or Winnie's house. So Winnie's house, you would have at any period, all the youth around Soweto, I mean, I, I was in Soweto, but at that time in 86, I was in Tembisa. But from Tembisa would come to, to, to Soweto and, and you would find refuge at any time, eat whatever you could eat there and so on and so forth. So, so, so everybody knew that you could not sleep anywhere else, but you could go to Winnie. And of course, you could also go there because it was known that you would most probably be safe in a way in the sense that even though police are watching you all the time, but you'll have a place to sleep. So, it was my personal experience. So thereafter, just the normal interaction, because you know that from her you learn fearlessness and all of that. So to see her confronting all the struggles on a daily basis, uh, either when we were stopped or when we were chased out or whenever, to see that would be uh, quite an experience where you begin to not even fear. Absolutely. Because you, exp- you, you experience that um, and the through herself by being fearless, I would say. No, thank you very much. If you've just joined us, it's now 27 after 6. I'm with Justice Indaba. We are uh, uh, deconstructing the lives <coughs> and the journey of the late Winnie, uh, Winnie Mandela. Uh, I welcome your thoughts on, on 34519. And, of course, my email is nimrod.hi.fm.co.za. Um, talking of personal experiences, I have had my, I think it was back in 1990. 1992, 93. Yeah. I was at I was at the William Cullen Library because back then I was still my under my, my undergrad. Yeah. And as I walk into the William Cullen Library on the far left, and there she was, she didn't watch the collar, you know. Uh, and and I was astounded because, you know, I've she never had a name, you know. <laughs> and and we, she looked at me and I looked at her, I froze, you know. Instead of walking towards that column, because that is my area, because you know how you know human beings are, mm. are you mm. know, are, are creatures of habit. You you sit in one corner all mm. the time. Mm. Mm. For that day, for some mm. reason, she sat in a corner where I normally sat, mm. but I just didn't know what to do. Mm. I froze. I walk. I walked in the opposite direction. <laughs> that was my first recollection. Mm. Actually, that was my second recollection. Mm. The first recollection. I'm from Togoza, mm. um, for those that may not know. Um, back then, you alluded to the fact that we have had numerous uh, state of emergencies. Mm. Polar Park, uh, those who know Polar Park in Eastrand, um, you know, it was a heartland of political turmoil between ISP and ANC. Time, yeah. You know, uh, we came through to the township uh, literally every other week because she was in Togoza. Mm. And, 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 and prior to the uh, 1991, she organized particularly squatter camp. I like mm-hmm. your, 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 your reflection on squatter camp, Polar Park at the time. She organized campaigns around IDs for so many people. Mm-hmm. IDs and birth certificates. Mm-hmm. That was my recollection. Yeah, the Home Affairs, Home Affairs Department mm-hmm. because that was my, my She was there every other week making sure that people who had, who had no IDs, who had no birth certificate and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. 
got some kind of do- documentation mm. because mm. by then I was still there, mm. obviously wet behind my ears and mm. stuff like that. We would follow her all the time. That that was my recollection <laughs> of her. And the first the first incident was the second in, uh, mm. you know, incident. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, if if <laughs> that's I mean, obviously, I've, at least we bring this to life in personal mm. experiences. I mean, one of the uh, many things that uh, you would know. She was very impatient with uh, processes, you know, because each time, imagine you, you, she would always complain that people had uh, inertia, you know. No, no, there's always tomorrow. No, we'll do this, ma'am, whenever. But all the time when she had to, because if you go to the squatter camps, right, many times you would find that there had been rain, there had been, uh, most of the shakes are fallen. And so, so, you would rely on a resourcefulness to arrange blankets and all of that. And if you did not respond, you would get it. <laughs> That's for sure. Because then she was known for, for that. She was, she, the outreach programs were quite huge in that regard because she would mobilize all these small business guys. And in fact, there's many, when I saw uh, uh, Mrs. Helen Joseph for the first time, um, she had come to see her and she brought a truckload of, 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 of of these grey uh, blankets mm-hmm. for the for the squatter camps in Clip Town, so 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 she had. Uh, I mean, I mean, a lot of us at that time, um, it was not usual to see a white woman that close. <laughs> so that was one of the first women that I saw Helen Joseph visiting Winnie, bringing blankets there in Clip Town. Fascinating indeed, fascinating indeed. But one of the biggest issues that that we as a country have to reckon with beyond her life, is how do we bring in that kind of leadership ethos um, into organization? Because I think there's a lot that uh, youth in particular can Mm. learn from in terms of being fearless, in terms of confronting the reality for what it is, Mm. speaking the truth and nothing but the truth as you see it, uh, an issue of conviction. We don't see a lot of conviction these days because everybody is compromised. Or most people, uh, obviously, it all question of who is in power. Let, let, let's try and and and, and uh, you know water down our thought because we don't want to um, mess up the status quo. She was she was different kettle of fish. I guess my question is how do we bring in that kind of ethos? into the current leadership structures across the board, whether you're in, in private sector, whether you're in uh, public sector. How do you get to do that? Because I, don't, I think it's missing in a, in a big way. Mm. It's quite difficult as well. It's, it's not an easy... Um, there's no easy answers to these things. But a lot of times, if you look at her, I mean, she... We all know now that there are certain characteristics that you need if you are to lead. And I mean, whether you lead in organizations or you lead in, in other, vision is one of them. You know, have a vision of where you want to go. And her, her vision and passion was driven by seeing uh, emancipation of the poor and women, meaning the, the, the downtrodden. And Another character is empathy. You can't lead people if you cannot empathize with their situation and so on. And one of the other ones that a lot of people, I guess, would begin to talk about now that we are in this period would be principles because a lot of our leaders have fallen. Those that we respect quite a lot have fallen when um, 
their principles were compromised because of a situation where if it suited them, they changed their principles. And, and, and I mean, she had conviction of that, meaning that if you want to lead and you change your principles depending on who you deal. In fact, I think Mandela said that at some point. To say if, if you're a leader and you want to change principles when it suits you or depending on who you're dealing with, you, you're going to have a problem. So people would follow willingly. She had that ability to get people to follow her willingly because a lot of leadership uh, nowadays is about power base, uh, forcing you, and we know at the moment um, we still are struggling with leaders that uh, despite uh, being involved in a lot of things, they still want us to 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 think that they have, they are victims of one thing or the other instead of coming up front and and, 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 and and you know and coming through and saying, "Look, I'm sorry," or whatever the case might be, but they continue to divide us by playing victim. You know? I couldn't agree with you more that justice. But one of the issues that I think um, she just might share light uh, on is how the transformation agenda, because Winnie stood for transformation mm. uh, pretty much. Mm. Okay, her life was all about transformation. Mm. It was about equality. It was about um, addressing um, all manner of injustices that is happening, mm. particularly or especially uh, with regards to the majority of, of, of South African weapons to be black. Mm. Um, do you think the, the transformation agenda that she stood for um, is <coughs> likely to be taken forward? And in what form or shape is this transformation agenda going to be taken forward? Look, we've fallen behind, obviously, um, 20 years, 24 years or so. But what have we learned in that process? We have learned that we cannot, unless you close the the gap between rich and poor, you know, they're just too extreme, extremely apart. You know, you have the poorest of the poor with barely nothing. You have the richest of them. Now, unless you close that gap, you cannot have proper uh, transformation because it's just too big. So we have, and also we know that unless the economy in itself is shared, meaning that you have to bring in people who are on the sidelines and become players in the economy, then you are beginning to impact. Because transformation without those two would mean nothing because it would mean that you're still creating a dependent... One of my worries, really, is as, 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 as important as it is to have people on social grants and so on and so forth, which is great because in some instances, they provide the bare minimum, but it's not a sustainable system where you have a dependency system. Or what you would need is people to participate and people to be emancipated economically. And once you have that and you have a lot of uh, people that are poor currently beginning to be in the mainstream of the economy, transformation would mean nothing. Hence, sometimes in a way we need to unpack these issues of land that is being talked about so that everybody is clear in the country as to, you know, what are these complexities that everybody is talking about to say, look, what about land? How is it going to be shared? What, those things need to be unpacked. And 
it cannot happen without facing the realities of that and having a discussion because at this po- at this point it is not clear how we're going to do it how is it going to happen and so that in the future those that do get access to land are able to work it because what's the point you have the land and you can't work it um because the participation on and, and the dignity of people lies in that in 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 being able to provide for your family for yourself and being able to participate in the mainstream of the economy then you can transform this is something that i've picked up um, i think in one of the one of the conversation with the with 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 uh, the president now was that that how do we begin to uh, reconstruct the economy uh, by ensuring that marginalized people are brought to the center um obviously you know um she's now she's now passed on mm. what's your thought regarding mainstreaming marginalized individual uh something that Cyril obviously from time to time speaks about um and and speaking and acting are two different things mm. is there political will because when you think of winnie you also think about um radical approach mm. that is why she found resonant to so many people particularly the likes of malema mm. because she had a very radical ideology in terms of how do you transform you know mm. but um now that she's she's passed on um how do we well i mean one is a political will to to take that kind of robustness Mm. into action to a point where we are able to move with transformation agenda with speed uh bearing in mind all the complexities that you've alluded to mm. well personally you know i i obviously semantics what is radical what is not and so on and so forth but what is clear in my mind is that um south, south africa is famous for for building consensus right obviously in the last years uh, 20, the last two decades people are no longer believing in that because it hasn't got us, it has gotten us uh, to some way in the beginning but we then dumped the project because you need um con- sustained. sustained consensus building because i believe you cannot radical cannot mean exclusive of white people for instance because mm. you cannot then say you're going to have radical economic emancipation and exclude whites in the sense that they are currently players meaning you have to build consensus with them so that they are able to come and 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 participate and say look this is how we see that we can assist because without that then you have a problem where you you have people who have the means by and large who have the resources by and large who are not who are left as participants outside but you need to begin to engage with them because i believe that they if if the new order is about bringing them in and say look guys we have this compl- this problem even yourselves cannot enjoy what you have unless you come and discuss and we talk about solutions then because i mean imagine in our days i mean me and you um you 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 have this um nice houses and just across the river you have um the squala a squala squala camps all the boys that are growing up in the squala camps the the first thing that they look at is what are we going to take across the road and they do they do you see 
Well, let me say that. Let me just take a break. We'll come back in a second. <laughs> this is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 12 to 7. I'm joined in studio by Mr. Justice Ndaba. We are now um, doing a, a deconstruction, if you like, of the late uh, Winnie, uh, Winnie Mandela. As we all know that we learned uh, yesterday that she is no more. Uh, and having said that, she's one individual that has had a huge impact in our lives, and it was quite befitting, um, you know, tonight just to reflect on what she has done for us and what are the implications for for, for the new leadership, uh, both as, as as both in private or you know public sectors, as it were. Before we went to the break, I, I I wanted to obviously reflect a little bit on 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 some of the controversies because we know that um, her life, uh, especially after 1991, was little with some. This form of controversy after after another. I think one of the highlight was the death of uh, anti-activist Stompy C. P. Ndaba did that uh, incident derail her her vision, derail her her ethos, because they, they they seems to have been some kind of a change in terms of how she thought. What's your take on that? Well, <coughs> it's it's actually. Not just the one incident. But, um, yeah, but, if, but, yeah. if, if, if you recall, a year from that, there were two other youngsters, um, I think Lolo uh, Sono, and I can't remember the, the other one. But let's, the context of this is that um, if you look at it, <coughs> she came back around 86 or so when she came back from Frankfurt. And like I was saying to yourself, that... Even us were at her house, even when she was not there, all right? So when she came, there was a lot of guys at her house staying there. And obviously what happened is she obviously wanted to keep them busy, and she formed, she, she formed the now famous um, Mandela United Football Club. And Stompy was one of those because it was one of the boys. Mm. And in those days, one of the key problems that we used to experience, at least us, and which I think that's the context of this whole problem of of the Mandela United Football Club, and because in those days you never knew who you were dealing with because the Infl- system yeah, could infiltrate anybody. Inf- any- inflict, yes, because then what happened is that we were suspicious of everybody, ourselves. You know, if if we were in the struggle. Anybody, your brother could be uh, become an agent one way or the other, and and this became a problem because these guys, even though they were together, they were one way or the other suspicious of each other, and one way or the other never knew who was working with the system and who wasn't, and that's when this issue of adoptions and and, and kidnapping of allegedly kidnapping of people. Happened because a, a lot of these guys who were the, the the members of the club were most of the time the ones accused of, for instance, I mean, uh, uh, getting Lolo out from a house. It was those kinds of things to say, no, 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 Lolo, we saw you, uh, you know, you were working with so and so and so and so because information would be peddled, you know. And indeed, it turned out that the guy that remember was convicted for. Stompy's murder, uh, mm. Mr. J. R. Uh, Richardson, mm. who is even now, or if he's still alive, he was at low cop. Only recently uh, 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 confessed 
that during all his time at Winnie's house, he was a registered uh, security agent. And he's the guy, by the way, he's, at, uh, he's serving life sentence at Low Cop for the murder of Stompy. All right. However, the, 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 the context is that one, that to say at that time it became an issue. In fact, I remember around 97, um, the, the, the guys at what's that school next to uh, uh, Winnie's house at um, Orlando West, mm-hmm. uh, the, guy, the boys from there also came and bent Mandela's house. Uh, looking for these uh, Taliwanga, mm-hmm. the guys from Taliwanga, because of 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 these allegedly kidnapping, because they had taken one or two of the boys from Taliwanga, and then they they came. In fact, they burned the house, you know, because it was the struggle of that time, and it was the issues of that time, and and unfortunately, it was such a big issue. Let's not also forget that uh, to this day, um, she 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 insisted she played no part. In in obviously the the football club was hers and so on, but she insisted that she played no part. And you recall the TRC incident when Bishop Tutu asked was for, yeah. asked for her forgiveness, and she 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 declined because at that time I know we had a big uh, 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 police contingent that was called Stratcom that used to systematically take some of our guys in and around, you know, and I think. Uwini was insisting that because members of Stratcom were also in the, the TRC trying to, to peddle information to the TRC and she says no, 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 no I can't apologize for what I have not done so that remained a, in, to an extent that the, the MDM the Mass Democratic Movement later in the same year um, uh, renounced themselves and disassociated themselves from Wini if you remember the statement mm-hmm. read by Mephi Murabe you know, mm-hmm. these guys came, and these are mostly UDF and, and, and the other movements, came and f- formally said, look, we're distancing ourselves from winning because of that time. So it was really, really a, 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 a dark period for her. But, you know, she relented nevertheless. But, but what does it mean from a leadership um, um, point of view? Because ultimately, some of these issues, we don't just talk about them in a vacuum. The, the certain uh, pocket of excellence that you can always mm. reflect from yeah. uh, uh, and say, well, under a under trying times, mm. any person who has conviction in what they do mm. um, have to live by this principle. Well, from a leadership perspective, you would know that for any leader, as long as I always say there's four seasons of a leadership journey. There's winter, there's summer, <laughs> There's spring, so you would face different seasons in your leadership. Uh, uh. Take us through winter because this is more of a winter. So story. this was this was the Winnie's winter period. Now, what do you do? Do you run away during winter as a leader, or you you persevere because your your vision doesn't change, does it? Just because it's winter. What do you do? You organize shelter. You organize yourself blankets and so on and so forth. So. The, the lesson here is that you just because you are facing a dark period in your leadership journey does not necessarily mean that you 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 dump your convictions in fact you should be persevering if you really believe in what you're doing because that's the sign of leadership unless you think that leadership is really means that you're going to have summer all the time 
Okay, and 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 uh, Mark, take us through because you mentioned one, um, the other other season of leadership, <laughs> uh, uh, in terms of how they find expression in what she did. Because I think it's quite important that that we we share this kind of lessons. Well, uh, generally in autumn, you would you you would um, you would be planting everything with us, isn't with it? everything with us. So you would know. Uh, you beginning to you experience many forces during that time. There's there's dust, there's wind, there's bad winds. So meaning that your your your, your leadership ethos would be challenged during the, the, the your autumn period. But if you know that spring would be coming, then you you stay on the path because you know that sooner or later, if you stay with the course. Um, within no time, flowers would begin to 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 to. to to manifest and, and, and so on and so forth. So it does not mean that you abandon the journey. So at different times, I mean, I, I know a, a good friend of mine um, was a mine manager and, 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 and a very good mine manager. And, and one of his darkest period was, was a, a two fatalities at his mine. And it was at that time that he felt he was giving up on everything. And and I mean this story of seasons reminds me of that because in that time, um, he he suddenly um, the guys that were working with him, some guys were hiding reports, some some guys were beginning to to doctor even the same reports that he was relying on. So when when the 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 DMR guys come for investigation, suddenly the same reports that he had submitted, now there was accusations that he had uh, falsified them, but. You know, when he printed Mm. them, it was the submitted report. But because people later on uh, wanted to put themselves in a good light with DMR, change reports. And he had no friends in and around that. But ultimately... Truth prevailed. Truth prevailed. So it meant that if you stay the course, in time, you would survive. Well, at some point, at a, at a huge personal cost, yeah. because you know that we, we need, she went through the darkest hour, and, and she was betrayed by so many people, Yes, well, right or wrong reason. Her own friends, her comrades, own, you know, uh, put up uh, uh, press conferences and say, we don't want to see her. But what happened is that the constituency was strong, because people knew the different winning, especially the poorest of the poor. But now that she's no more, um, Ndaba, as we wrap up our conversation tonight, um, what what are key lessons that we can take from a leadership point of view that can be transplanted, particularly to youth, uh, around the kind of uh, fights she fought for? Because we've got different um, strategies to fight. But ultimately, um, you know, the biggest fight now is that of, um, um, you know, um, class struggle so to speak. Mm. Uh, inequality is the biggest uh, fight confronting anybody. Mm. Unemployment is the biggest fight. Mm. But we do have to reflect on these kind of leaders who lead, who led during difficult times, so that we're able to persevere. What is that we can do? Look, the winner that I know always preached that the way out of any dire strait is education. And she, she, she always pushed for that to say everyone must be educated and educated well and good enough. Let, people forget that throughout her schooling years, she was first of class, she uh, passed by distinction all classes, and indeed she was the first black social worker at Barakwana in 1954. You know, so 
1953. So she was known for excellence. You know, and in 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 the engagements, even of the in the squatter camps, you used to p- insist that people go back to school. And I'm not surprised Julius is <laughs> is <laughs> back at school. Unfortunately, that that's what we have for tonight. Until we meet again, just thank you very much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Doc. Wonderful indeed. Until we meet again, have a good one.